The Artist Road Podcast, hosted by Minus and Disguise. We are here on the Artist Road Podcast. My name is Disguise. I'm also with Minus. Hello. And today, our, uh, tonight, I guess, our two guests are Jason Burris and Lindsay Mullins. Um, otherwise, going by Aviatrix. Yep. All right. Perfect. Um, so thanks for being here with us, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I guess let's, I know you guys have been doing, doing a lot of things, so let's, I kind of want to just bring everyone up to speed on maybe what a few things that you guys have been doing lately, as far as like any art shows, travels, I know you just had the purple couch, um, so yeah, there's a couple things you want to talk about that you guys yeah, have Yeah, we to. just, we're like finishing up our purple couch tour, which is where we, Lindsay and I go to different festivals and events and purple couch shows, including the one in Denver that we just did, the black box. And we just play different parties and stuff and bring music vibes across the country. We played uh, Solasta Festival in Tennessee and uh, the Black Box. And next week we're headed to play a show at our home in Northern California, Arcata. We, we also played Burning Man for uh, Camp Wrongtown, which was really fun. And we were in Maine for Kind Mind Campout. Um, they asked us to curate, they asked Jason to curate the glass art gallery. And, um, yeah, we did that. Yeah. And all summer we've just kind of been kind of collaborating with different music festivals in various ways. Um, Lindsay manages the art gallery at Enchanted Forest and Lucidity Festival. Mm -hmm. And they brought me in to curate the music and provide sounds so and that's that's called uh, branches mobile gallery yeah so it's kind of like a purple couch collab collaboration with branches mobile gallery where we set up a purple couch art gallery and sound system and sound stage basically inside of the art gallery and then we like throw parties in the art gallery all weekend and uh yeah it was a lot of fun tons of people came in and out of the art gallery we're stoked on the music the art everything and it's kind of just like spend a weekend empowering small artists and nice. musicians and awesome. having Super. fun and we do that with a lot of different festivals so. yeah it's 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 really rewarding representing you know artists who are just starting out all the way up to artists that are really well known like uh mere one you know yeah. um and getting to interface with the different levels of artists is really really special and important and like seeing the collaborations that come out of these introductions through whether it's Branches Mobile Gallery or Purple Couch Gallery, which Jason does at Northern Nights Music Festival and other music festivals as well. Um, yeah, I took that to the UNS Festival this year too. You know, basically we, we do lots of different things for lots of different festivals depending on which crew we're stepping in on mm-hmm. with or, you know, sometimes we'll be setting up a vending booth selling Jason's jewelry. Um, sometimes we'll be brought in as a physical gallery representing Purple Couch Gallery. Sometimes, um, you know, I'll be doing different production work. I manage hospitality team at Northern Nights Music That's Festival. Nice. Um, but no matter what we're doing, we're always like interfacing with artists in some way, um, or we'll be playing music yeah. at the festivals. So it's That's kind awesome. of, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's yeah. just, it's like we fit into these different roles in these different crews. Um, depending on what festival we go to. It's really yeah, awesome. fun. It's That's really, really cool. dynamic. Really yeah, cool. so last festival was fun in Tennessee. Yeah. That was our first festival that we actually only 
we're playing music at. So yeah. it was like it was like a break from all the, <laughs> like the yeah. work because we're so used to just working all weekend yeah, yeah. and yeah. like doing various jobs and roles and music festival community. So yeah. it was nice to just go out there and play one set and just enjoy the <laughs> yeah. weekend. We yeah. kind of felt like what it's like to be musicians you know yeah because yeah. usually it's we we work really really hard and like you know from the outside perspective maybe people just see us on social media and they don't they they just see like the product of it they don't yeah. necessarily see like that we're working 12 hours a day for like basically minimum wage right. it's uh the thing with festival work is there's not there's not this huge payday that comes from it. You work really hard, but it's it's because you're passionate about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, no, uh, yeah, we're, we're out there because we love music festivals and yeah. the music community, period. The electronic-based like, music community. Yeah, 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 it was never about the money. If it was about the money, I'd stay home and just work from <laughs> home because <laughs> I'd get paid more. But, like, um, the experiences. But instead, we get to travel and enjoy ourselves and yeah. find these roles within the community. And, um kind of like take over these important roles that need to be facilitated awesome. mm -hmm. and I think the art gallery roles is one of the most important ones because we're out there representing artists that may not have big Instagram accounts or may not have big social media followings that don't have the ability to sell their stuff at home and like you know a 500 to a thousand dollar sale to them may be like the motivation they need to put more time oh, yeah, and energy sure. into their art and so you know like uh, uh, for for you know me, I've been doing this for a really long time. You know, I every sale is amazing when I sell my art at a music festival. But like you know, some people have less experience in it and seeing that they are succeed and are like able to go to a music festival and sell their art and return home with more money than they came with is right. like an amazing concept oh, yeah. for a yeah. lot of people that are just getting into this. Super fulfilling. Awesome. Yeah, really fulfilling. That's. I'll go ahead. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> um, we, can, we can bounce. <laughs> are you guys going to continue to kind of do like more projects like that art gallery? Is that like a traveling thing or is that more like a one-off just for that festival? Like how you did the soundstage and stuff inside the gallery? Yeah, so we're going to continue to be inv actively involved in Enchanted Forest Festival, Lucidity Festival, and work with Branches Mobile Gallery. Mm -hmm. Our friend Luke Holden manages... Uh, and owns the Branches Mobile Gallery. And he kind of brought us into the fold and um, allowed us to kind of help curate sound and, you know, help curate some of the art and just be kind of featured and present. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to continue to work with him because he's, he's a really great guy and we like working with him. And then uh, Northern Nights is a festival in Northern California that's run by our good friends who run world famous productions and they throw and black productions yeah uh it's world famous black productions um and uh oh i'm spacing it peter hewson is the other co-owner yeah so all of our friends own and they that just they also just teamed up with uh the emerald cup out of santa rosa as well okay. which is another event that we bring glass art into oh, and okay. jewelry yeah so, you know, we're going to keep being involved with Northern Nights just because we like mm -hmm. doing things with our friends. And yeah. so it's kind of like, but, you know, our end goal for Purple Couch is to eventually throw our own outdoor event because we've thrown a lot of indoor events and we're really trying to throw small 
boutique outdoor events like mm. single stage where all the music is really well curated mm. all the arts really well curated and like 500 attendees would be enough for us we're not trying to go big we uh, were really impressed by Salasta festival because that they had this beautifully curated lineup on one stage in this gorgeous landscape it was very conscious of the environment um, everyone was really respectful and it's just kind of a curated vibe that that happens um, when you when you when you don't try to like please everyone and you just allow your attendees to trust your your curation skills like really cool things happen and yeah. you just curate like a really great lineup so yeah eventually we want to throw just a small like boutique type festival that has a emphasis on sustainability and Jason's actually figured out how to create a zero carbon um, yeah, footprint. Yeah, you know, and if you're throwing an event in Northern California, I think it makes sense to use part of your profits and part of the ticket proceeds to actually regrow and restore California redwoods, and which would also reverse the carbon impact of the festival. So, you know, that's like kind of one of the many business models that I've wrote and conceived for a future events and what we ideally want to do is throw a sustainable outdoor event that reverses its carbon footprint and show larger events like Burning Man and these larger events that have a huge environmental impact that it can be done and it can be done affordably and it's not as crazy as everyone thinks it is. I think a lot of people just give up on the idea of it without actually doing the research to understand that like, you know, if you grow X amount of redwood trees, this person's attendance to this festival would be reversed within five years. And so, you know, I came up with a, with like a 10 year model plan that would be $5 per person or a one year model plan where the, the carbon footprint would be reversed within one year for $50 a person. So it all depends on kind of the budget of your festival. And it also, you know, it, it one thing that I would focus on would be bringing in only organic food vendors that only use compostable flatware and only use compostable cups. You know, little things like that that can decrease Sweet. your decrease your environmental impact mm -hmm. that are oftentimes overlooked, um, which they don't need to be. You know, mm -hmm. you can run supplemental lighting with solar power. Yeah. Um, you can just, you can have pack it in, pack it out, but you can also have really really nice sorting stations yeah. and uh, I think requiring people to be a little bit more accountable um, will bring in the kind of people that that are really the kind of people that we would want to spend time with you know yeah. you know it's just a different approach to music festivals that yeah. we're trying to do but uh, you know we're still Years away. This from is even yeah. This is finding like the property. This is like a five-year plan yeah. or, we get, or something. We get, <laughs> we get leads all the time, and so we're. If anyone wants to contact us about property in Northern California, <laughs> right, right. they want to see stuff <laughs> like yeah, this. Yeah, happen. that's amazing. We're always oh, into that's it. Huge, yeah, it's really cool to hear that. That's those are steps that you guys are taking, especially with, you know, everything you guys are trying to build just for festivals itself. Yeah. I mean, that too is awesome. Well, I think that. I think that just creating a. A, a business or creating a, a a model that is an extension of your lifestyle and your and your morals beliefs yeah. is um is kind of what what we 
would be wanting to go for. And that's kind of what we try to do with our lives. You know, we, we eat really healthy. We, we cook organic food. Um, I mean, we exercise, we take care of ourselves. We're, uh, we, we also, we party differently than most people do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't think most people know that Lindsay and I are like pretty much sober. I enjoy cannabis and hash and, um, but like we don't really do chemicals or anything and so like we're even though we're actively involved in the music festival industry and and throw bass music shows and everything we ourselves party differently and Mm -hmm. we like bass music for that reason i think that if the music's good enough and the environment is immersive enough Mm -hmm. and everything's entertaining enough you don't need drugs to have a good time and so we kind of try to prove that with our events mm-hmm. that like you know i think a lot of it is a escapism in the edm culture whereas you know people go to these shows to escape their normal lives and that's great and everything but like the show should be the escape itself and mm-hmm. um sometimes i feel like if a show is boring it's just encouraging people to or the music's bad it's just encouraging people to get drunk or waste or do drugs because they're bored. And like, I completely understand that. It's kind of the reason why we throw events because we were bored with everyone else's events. We were just going to shows and then just leaving because like, I'm not entertained. Mm -hmm. Even my favorite musicians, I would go see them and it'd be a sold out show. And I, it would be so awkward and uncomfortable that you wouldn't, there wouldn't be any room to enjoy the music. Mm-hmm. Like you get forced into like the back corner of the venue where you can't even hear them. Mm-hmm. You're better off just sitting at home listening <laughs> on your nice stereo right. system mm-hmm. at home. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know what? When we originally started Purple Couch Events, we came about. You know, uh, we wanted to negate all the factors that made shows intolerable in Denver. And a lot of the things that I was having problems with the shows in Denver is the sound systems were blown out or just not sounding good. They weren't hitting like the full range of like all the tones or frequencies that these musicians are actually sending. So, you know, we used Function One sound when we originally started. And we continue to use Function One or Function One composite sound systems or Danley sound systems, which are designed by the Function One one of the original Function One designers, or we've used Void sound systems, and we've used Danley sound systems in California as well. So we continue to use all these really nice UK bass systems that actually, when you bring these musicians into play, their music sounding optimal. It's gonna hit all the frequencies possible. You're gonna feel it, and you're gonna hear it pristinely. It's not gonna hurt your ears because it's tuned properly. So a lot of venues in Denver were just like overly loud on systems that weren't actually hitting all the frequencies. So yeah, you're getting like, it's really loud. It's a lot of bass and a lot of highs, but all the mids are getting distorted and not not hitting perfectly. So, you know, we we switched it up and instead did a very well-tuned UK bass system that wasn't excessively loud. That was actually tuned perfectly where you could hear it anywhere in the venue but you could still have a conversation over it. And we created a social experience unlike any other, and it's what Purple Couch. These were the shows that we were throwing at the Glitter Dome, and um, mm-hmm. we were we were basically building 
It was like an indoor music festival. Yeah. Um, kind of building a, an art gallery, um, chill areas. We had food, we had vendors, um, stage performers, huge projection screens. Um, we did it really big, and it was really amazing. Yeah. Uh, but we also, we also kind of liked... We wanted like a more intimate experience, so we switched to the um, Oriental Theater. Well, a lot of a things. A lot of things happened. One was um, the model for the original Purple Couch events, and like, wasn't necessarily sustainable. Like, you can get all these people to come to your show when it's a free party, but when you stop selling enough art to make it sustainable, you know, it it you inevitably have to scroll back and start charging for tickets. And so um, we threw three free events, and are, those are the first three Purple Couch events, and those are like strictly for the community mm-hmm. and financed completely out of my pocket. And um, what ended up happening is we sold a lot of amazing glass art, and the commission generated from those glass artists, like um, Sagan Glass Art was, was uh, amazingly supportive. Um, Nate Myers, Yushin, Yoshinori Kondo, these amazing glass artists from all around the world um, came out, displayed their works, and brought their fans out to the show, and we sold their works, and then we ended up, it helped us to break even on our our event expenses, but you know, you can only do that for so long. People are only going to come buy multi-thousand dollar pieces of glass art every so often. They're not just going to buy that every two weeks, so... So we had to think of how we can make it sustainable. And, you know, our first three events were free and we got like 900. Our first one got like 700 people. Mm -hmm. Our second one got like 900. And the third was 1,200. 1,300 at one point. Or 1,300, which is the whiteout party, which is our largest one. And at that point, we also realized that if we didn't start charging for tickets, that we were going to basically supersede our capacity at the venue so our mm-hmm. venue capacity was 1500 and we are our events were growing at like an exponential rate so we had to start charging for tickets and uh you know it was a kind of a paradox because yeah ideally the entire vision behind purple couch was that we could create a show an experience that was music and art based where the music is free, even though all the musicians get paid, and and the art is is out there in a gallery format, and the art sales actually finance the event. What people didn't realize is at the time I'm I was gambling on a community, like high stakes gambling, and uh, and it was highly rewarding. We threw the three most incredible parties they were I epic. believe Denver has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were there for yeah, yeah. two of them. Two of them, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were awesome. Yeah. They were great. <laughs> and, uh, and they're, yeah, and they're perfect, um, in my opinion. Like, each time we learned a little and rearranged the venue a little, but each time they are perfect for mm-hmm. what they were. And Yeah, and we gave, we, it was a, it was a stage for our, not only our mu- musician friends, but our like dancer friends, these really dope poppers mm, and yeah. b-boys mm-hmm. and glitch dancers that otherwise don't get the kind of stage or recognition mm-hmm. that they deserve because we're dancers and we're big dance fans. Mm-hmm. So being able to 
have that for people and like taking really dope high quality videos and like giving them the videos afterwards yeah. so yeah. they would have something to represent themselves if yeah. they wanted to apply to a music festival as a performer or mm. yeah. anything like that so it was well, it was really, was really fun cool. which <laughs> reminds me of like an awesome story and like <laughs> one of our original parties we were like we asked um a, a vj that we were working with if he could uh capture the 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 dancer and with a video camera and then project them onto the visuals behind the stage. No, you didn't so even ask him. Remember, it was a thought well, you'd had. Well, oh, sorry. I, we asked a, a VJ if he could do that, and he said he couldn't figure out how to do okay. it. So then we hired a uh, another VJ for our second show, and he was uh, it was Tallbridge, my friend Jason Takanashi. Jason Takahashi. Takahashi, and uh, Jason came in. And did it without us ever asking him. Oh and I was like, he oh, like well. intuitively did it. Like and, I, and I asked him <laughs> if, the other, if the other BJ, um, Pickles, if Pickles had told him about it because they were working together collaboratively. He was like, no. Nah. And I was like, well, this is like what we always wanted yeah, to happen. And he just like made it happen without us even thinking about it. Yeah, he was cool. live mixing the dancers into the visuals wow. while they were performing. Oh, which is which way I'm, different. In, no than, one's, no yeah. one does that yeah so no, shout out sure. to jason takahashi yeah, you're the man we love you dude uh, yeah that's super, <laughs> cool. That's super yeah. cool and uh he, he continues to blow our minds every time we hire him that's so good though <laughs> he'll yeah. take jason's art or my crystal skull art and like project it and live mix it while we're playing music uh, during yeah. our shows too which is like really cool like you like tweak people's logos and like filter it in in and out of the visuals and like really customize their their visual sets which mm -hmm. You know, and like, I don't know, the the performer f feed was so great because you're in this giant venue with 1,200 people. This stage performer that's breakdancing, even though he's doing really cool, amazing things, only like a crowd of like 20 people in the front row are going to see what he's actually doing. So by like capturing the video and then projecting mm -hmm. them onto yeah. this giant screen, that guy is actually finally getting seen by the mm -hmm. amount of people that he deserves mm -hmm. to be seen. So it made it way cooler yeah, for the performers. It's cool. amazing. But yeah. We actually just, um, Jason and I worked on our recent project, which is um, our recent show at the Black Box. We filmed from three different angles, including a gimbal that, like, with a smooth, like, camera sweep around performers and stuff. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm going we home. Handheld gimbal. We had an onstage uh, camera, and then Jason had a... Uh, camera from the the VJ booth, so three yeah. different angles, mm -hmm. and we, Jason recorded the entire show, and yeah, and I'm I got all the soundboard audio and everything, yeah. so we're going to basically release, similar to like what Boiler Room does, but with multiple angles and really cool visuals cool. and That's really cool performances, because we had like our friend Ray Harper come out and do really awesome Bujang performance which was really incredible and we had a couple and I break danced a little on stage mm -hmm. did some cool stuff and so it's, it should be really cool and we're, we're trying to like capture what these what these musicians are doing live and showcase it by mm -hmm. through videos because a lot of the times it's like just kind of happens one night and no one actually realizes what even happened sounded amazing right, but we yeah. don't actually realize how hard mm -hmm. these people are working so oh, yeah. we really want to capture these performers and, and and put them on the purple couch youtube so that 
thousands and thousands of people can see them. Yeah. More so than a couple hundred people that came to see them, you know? Yeah. And we can put uh, YouTube links up on your... Yeah, on this interview. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can put any. Yeah, those videos them. will be released in a yeah, couple weeks. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. I'm excited to see all that. Yeah, I mean, we're really inspired by the Boiler Room, what they're doing in the UK, yeah, because yeah. it's yeah, this cool stuff. it's this way of taking a small, intimate event and like showing it to people around the world. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I seeing some of my favorite artists perform on Boiler Room and I get to watch them perform which which is really cool you know and you get to see all the fucking people that are doing hilarious things around them <laughs> oh my yeah, god exactly. some of these videos so are many. just like painful <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really good so just fantastic you're just like oh yes this person right here is yeah. <laughs> golden so. yeah exactly no, yeah, there's always that one guy like standing on stage not moving yeah, like, yeah, if you're gonna stand right yeah. beside the musician maybe you should dance yeah. a little right <laughs> <laughs> Act like you're enjoying yourself, yeah, exactly. maybe. Well, there's the people that forget that there's a camera probably filming them, and there's <laughs> and it's like those guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love, yeah, those. I mean, the boiler room stuff is fantastic. Is yeah, good. especially to watch people perform like when they do mm -hmm. live sets or they're doing like live band DJ or you know all different kinds of stuff like that too. Yeah, like Dillard did a full uh, vinyl set, which is like super special. Yeah. Tons of music that you can't. Yeah. here unless it's someone like Dillard doing a, yeah. a exclusively vinyl set so yeah. that's really cool is like really I never exciting. actually knew how difficult it is to do a vinyl set at He's, a base show they, like, they had to build a, like the black box like builds a concrete yeah. table out of cinder box so, yeah. Yeah. so that the and then needle doesn't puts move. the vinyl on like rubber and on top of that yeah. all mm. to prevent shaking wow. and so the needles are steady oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole other Especially, yeah. and he crushed it literally like everyone's so dialed in the musicians that we're Dealing working with man. are so good that like no one makes mistakes and it's really incredible That's to awesome, be working though. with musicians that Mm -hmm. level and well, um, it's the heart of DJing anyways that, yeah. that ability to just you know it's the, the the gift of a DJ is seeing the flawlessness and then pl playing their music you know it's not mm -hmm. pre-cued like you know like well I mean not even pre-cued but just like the way some of the sets are done now is just chopped up so hard that it's like or speak over a mic then, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pull out of that, so. it's kind of the worst yeah people it, won't really shut up. Is. it really <laughs> is it really is yeah that is definitely some of the <laughs> well that's awesome I mean yeah it's really cool to hear it's what gonna, you guys are bringing together and like what you guys are working for well the you know when Jason and I got together um, we met at Symbiosis in 2015 and like we 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 were dancing at uh, Edit which was and it? Noah. Was it that set? We're playing uh, Of the Porcelain Yeah set. it was just this super special oh, magical nice. morning and like I feel like we had kind of seen each other the night before too, but yeah. um, anyways, we spent like two, like eight hours just dancing together and just like vibing, yeah. and then um, crying over porcelain. Crying over porcelain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like a unique set. Like I don't yeah, think I've never just, seen that. On it was a once in a lifetime lineup. set. Yeah, they do. It was yeah, a yeah, once in a lifetime rare. set. Yeah, for yeah. them to both bring their like ambient down tempo glitch together and like Oa's playing like keys and. Yeah, that's, doing so, that's so awesome. Wow. But yeah, anyways, cool. we continued to talk online because he lived in Colorado and I live in uh, I lived in Humboldt County. So we continued to talk online and just like uh, just share our lives with each other um, through digital means, which was really interesting. Like getting to know each other 
that way until we until we like came together and uh, we we talked on on the phone and online for like a month and then he's like I'm gonna come out there I'm like okay <laughs> here we go and he came out and I picked him up off the plane I'm like all right let's go build some stages first thing we do together is go and like build stage facades at a this little homie festival I was working at um, called Firefall in Humboldt County which is funny because I like I grew up using like power tools and my dad's like a contractor yeah he jumped right in i'm like all right he's a keeper he was fully capable of helping execute the vision um (laughs) but yeah we um we just like totally fell in love and he had to go back to to denver and i stayed in california but um you know we couldn't stay apart i moved to denver for six months we threw that series of shows and then um you know we both decided that we he wanted a change i wanted a change and uh, we ended up going back to California, not knowing that we would stay in Humboldt County, but mm-hmm. that's where my family lives, and I have an amazing bass music community there, like Sweet. which I've been a part of for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like our crews in Humboldt County are solid, um, and uh, I have these these relationships that I've built with people over the years that are just very, very family, very respectful, awesome. um, and everyone there has great taste in music. They love to dance. So when we moved back to California to Humboldt County, um, we started doing Purple Couch shows at the Jam Arcada, um, which is owned by our friend Pete, who's a really, really amazing um, part of the community there. And we started throwing the Purple Couch shows there and we were received really well. Like like the community's just really supportive. and and. You know, the dance floors are just live in Humboldt. Like, people just get yeah. down. I've never been to a party where everyone dances really hard and everyone has the time of their life. And I think it has to do with the fact that, like, there isn't a big electronica scene in Humboldt. And, like, so when you're bringing in something new to a culture that that really needs it, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's very different than, like, Denver, where there's it's a ton very of saturated here. Yeah. Yeah. It's very saturated here. And, and it's, it's a big city, so yeah, yeah, it's saturated. But so you know, we love Denver and we love throwing shows here. But like, but uh, we also really were amazed by Humboldt's like kind of response to our shows. And so yeah, you know, um, we really enjoy throwing shows in both places, but the ones at home in Humboldt where everyone comes out and just dances super hard and everyone's really supportive. And, you know, I've never been a part of a community where where literally the other people that throw shows locally come out to your shows and support you mm-hmm. and make sure that they don't, like, throw their shows. We all communicate mm-hmm. and we're all respectful of each other's show dates. Mm-hmm. And it's really, a really amazing community where everyone's supporting each other, even if we're technically supposed to be in competition with each other. Yeah, it's which more is, about collaboration than competition. Which is, which is kind of different than you know the feelings that we got from Denver, and like we always felt like, um, kind of like Purple Couch was, uh, separate from the industry, you know, working outside of it and like trying to do something different, and uh, you know that. That might have been me because, you know, when I started throwing shows, I was like, I'm going to do this myself. And I didn't reach out to a lot of other people. I just did it. And, uh, yeah, it's just interesting seeing the two um, perspectives of one area where there's so many music shows and music event companies saturated in one area and so many DJs and musicians in another area where it's, like, much smaller. But the quality is really high. But the quality is really high. Yeah. 
That's way better. We have some <laughs> we have some better. really dope producers that have uh, that are coming out of Humboldt County or that have come out of Humboldt County. Um, shout outs to Sci-Fi, Haifa, uh, Wu Wei, Suds, yeah, On Hal. Big shout out to Suds who who's <laughs> actively booked me several times when I first moved to town. For to he play runs his the, weekly Womp. Yeah, he runs Womp Womp Wednesdays. Wednesday. Which and Miles, Miles Ross. Miles shout out to Miles for starting started, the Womp Womp Wednesday. Started Womp over eight yeah. years ago. And that's their weekly bass music show. And it's always it's always a party. It's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, dang. Yeah, that's amazing. How long have you guys been in Humboldt County now? Back. How long have we been back there? Two years. Two years, yeah. Has it really been two years? Yeah. Two years. Two years. We uh we got really lucky and scored a home like right on the ocean. Yeah, for... everything kind of lined up that we were just able to get this really beautiful, um, perfect house for ourselves um, right on the coast in this little community just north of Trinidad, California, and uh, it's just very pristine and wild and beautiful, and yeah. um, it's a good home base. Yeah. Yeah. You come home and you feel at home. Yeah, and it's like, given us a place that we can like kind of withdraw and focus on art, especially during the winter, um, because the winters are rainy in the Northwest, and you kind of just can stay inside and like focus on making art and sort of re strategize for the summer. You know, summers are when we go out and we like spread art and we do things and we play shows. And we still play shows in the winter, but um, we're we're spending more time at home you know, building inventory yeah, and definitely. planning for the summer yeah. and yeah, kind of working on that time for sure. Yeah. It's nice mm-hmm. to retreat. I think winters are good for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of segues. I know we touched on it a little bit, but can each of you kind of tell us just like we like a brief history of like how you came up, like how you got into your art? Like both of you separately, and then like I mean, you kind of told together how you came together. But I guess yeah. I don't want to hear the backgrounds a little yeah. bit of each of you guys and what you what you do, like for people that don't know. Especially, I guess I can start with. Um, so, yeah, music is kind of funny because a lot of people probably think I'm just a DJ or just started playing music a couple of years ago. Because really, I I came back into the electronic scene, like four, maybe five, six years ago when I started putting out a lot of mixes and DJ mixes. I think I have over a hundred now, I don't know. But my SoundCloud is like every mix that I've ever played for a show on it. And I've played a lot of mixes. Um, And all the way back to when I first started DJing. But music for me actually started around over a decade ago when I was 21, I was gigging as a percussionist in multiple bands in Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, that was like 15 years ago. And uh, basically I, I was, uh, yeah, I was playing percussionist as a percussionist in several of my friends' bands. And, you know, I was, uh, I was basically like a side percussionist. I did Latin and African percussion and effects, stuff like that. And sometimes I'd and then I merged later into electronic percussion because it became increasingly difficult to mic acoustic drums in venues. And uh, especially as we started incorporating more bass. So I, I, I transcended into later just 
I didn't even realize I was DJing when I first started DJing, which was probably like 12, 14 years ago, where I'd bring a sound system to a music festival, set it up in my booth, and play music, and I would have like a mixer, and I would run like my my like iPad or iPod. I probably had an iPod back then. I'd run an iPod, and I'd run a uh, computer through two different channels, and I'm literally like using iTunes and like interfacing back and forth and mixing <laughs> back and forth while playing percussion over it with the electronic percussion pad. Yes. So it was like, do I didn't even realize that was considered DJing, but now looking back, it's like I'm doing the same thing now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just using yeah. a different type of software, mm. and uh, so you know, and I'm just way better at it now than I was back then. But uh, you know, for me, music was always just like bringing finding really good music that no one has heard it's like from around the world and bringing it to people and then playing it on a nice sound system for like people at random gatherings and you know my booth at music festivals on east coast was always known for having like good music and throwing good parties i would throw like parties out of my vending booth at night you know we would just have crowds of people around my vending booth. <laughs> I remember a really funny story was uh, shout out to Dave Sheldon of Euphonic Conceptions because one year at uh, at, at uh, one of the original Rothberries before Rothberry became Electric Forest, it was at that venue. It was like way a long time ago. One of those, Dave Sheldon, we brought a drum kit, or I, my friend brought my friend Nick brought a drum kit and. Uh, we set it up in my booth with a sound system, and Dave came by and was like, hey, do you mind if uh, if uh, Murph comes by and plays here later? So Murph from Sound Tribe, or uh-huh. used to be from Sound Tribe, Murph came by and played a, like, four-hour DJ set on my booth nice. while Lane from Numa Trio played drums. Wow. And at one point, Lane switched with Michael Travis from String Cheese. Wow. And, like, <laughs> we, had, we had, like, 300 people out in front of the booth, and, like break dancers doing flares and like wow. yeah everything from like from like nitrous tanks going off <laughs> like all the the hardcore things that you associate with music festivals right. were all like going down around <laughs> my vending booth that's awesome but um yeah it was a really funny like uh it was a really funny uh time and uh i was just traveling the country vending and uh, throwing parties on my vending booth and later you know now i'm doing the same thing but we're like actually official you know and we actually like curate sound and bring in have official lineups and like work with the music festival itself and don't just throw gorilla parties you know and uh so it's kind of cool how it all has like progressed from like 15 years ago to now um all along the while i i actually um you know uh when i first moved to denver I was trying to have a life change and I just like drastically decided to move to Denver overnight. Pretty much I posted this like large flower medallion that I made and on on Facebook one day. This is probably like eight years ago to nine years ago. I posted this large medallion and then all these people from Colorado started hitting me up and I figured out And I was like, well, if all these people from Denver like my art, I should just move to Denver. And I was like looking for a life change and I was thinking about moving to California or Colorado 
or somewhere else and I just decided to pack up all my stuff and go to Denver so I moved to Denver and that's when I got to Denver and I started um, I uh, basically started throwing events with uh, my friend Michelle and she was throwing bass music events as a fundraiser for a Burning Man project that we were working on and I built all these different platforms that were meditation platforms that we had five different artists paint and they were hexagonal p platforms that I built with power tools basically in my garage and they had Tempur-Pedic toppers on top so you could sit down and meditate on them but the best part about them is that we we wired them with um, with noise cancelling headphones and played ambient music mixed with binaural beats so anywhere you were at in the music festival any state of mind no matter what was going on outside and how crazy the music was we were offering a safe haven for people to kind of come in and like be basically forced into meditation if you've never tried binaural beats it's a really cool way to meditate even if you've never meditated before it kind of like forces your brain waves into a meditative state and um we had really amazing well anyway we fundraised by throwing parties and when i when i threw those parties we booked hitron a bunch of hitron artists and had really successful parties raised a bunch of funds and when i did that i realized you know how easy it was to kind of not easy it was a lot of hard work possible. but how possible it was to throw events mm -hmm. and so years later i started the illuminatorium which was a physical gallery, which is where I met you guys. Yeah. Because you guys were set up in, in the cluster studio space mm -hmm. that we were all at. And uh, we were throwing bi-monthly events, art shows. They were fused with music. And yeah, and that was a really fun time. Like We had some really awesome parties there. And then um, I later uh, dropped the Illuminatorium. I thought the name was kind of too serious. And I switched it up, came up with a new name, and started a new company because we gave up the space and wanted to go. And I wanted to go with something more like pop-up oriented because the idea of renting a physical gallery just so you could throw two parties a month was kind of pointless when I could just be throwing two parties a month. Right. <laughs> so, so, um, so uh, yeah, and that's when Purple Cash started, and. Uh, Aside from my music career, and uh, yeah, and I have a, I had a lot of inspiration from music from my homie Dillard, uh, Mad Love for Dillard, who basically like just watching him DJ helped me immensely, and like basically everything I do DJing was kind of like me watching my friends DJ and then being like oh, that's how you do that, and then taking that little piece of information home and then practicing it. And so, you know, um, I, luckily I have such amazing friends that are so good at DJing that I can, like, kind of get these components and become really good at it. So, uh, you know, I'm always working on it, but uh, a lot of people ask me if I'm going to produce or do production and... Me personally, I really love finding amazing music that no one's heard from artists that that um, that basically aren't really represented, especially in America. So, 
It's interesting. Um, Do you want to talk about your jewelry? And, it, and about the jewelry. So I'm mostly actually more well-known for jewelry designing, which is funny because these days I, I have fans through music who don't realize that I'm a jewelry designer, and then I have vice versa. I have fans through jewelry that don't know I'm a musician. But uh, my jewelry art, I started like 15 years ago, and or more than that, I started when I was 15 actually, so about 20 years ago. I started making jewelry, and uh, I was going to shows, selling jewelry, doing all kinds of, like, touring and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, I picked up wire wrapping when I was, like, 21 and never really turned back. Kind of incorporated everything I was already doing in jewelry into wire wrapping and took a different approach than other wire wrappers took, and, which basically helped me innovate a style and design that was different than anyone else's and that has financed that job has financed all my other careers and helped us throw amazing events and everything and travel the world to all kinds of amazing things mm-hmm. so so yeah yeah jason's jewelry is always like um a focal point of our travels because he he likes to always photo document pieces as we're traveling which you know Jason's Jason's he's a busy guy and he's always working like I don't the the whole time we've been together like he's never not worked you know he's constantly either wire wrapping or um in his email or planning shows um and we kind of use our travels as a way to like showcase his jewelry as well or like we're doing photo shoots together or you know, any number of things. Oh, a little tangent, but, uh, but you know, part of my success was um, putting out a lot of content on social media. And uh, I think, uh, and I was thinking about this recently, and, you know, a lot of people sometimes, like, have a hard time coming up on social media and getting a following or or having a fan base in order so that they can like represent their art or music to the world. And uh, my advice to all these people is just produce content and not worry so much about the likes or the comments or any of that. Just put out content as much as you can. Continuously put out content. And the reason why is because having the content will, will create the following it's it's about like continuing to push yourself and continuing to like put out more jewelry or more music or more art or more videos or or you know more more of these video interviews like putting out more and more and they become viral they become something Mm -hmm. like some of the best all the best youtube bloggers all the best artists they all started with zero followers and they just continued to push. And eventually you will get the following. If your content is good, it will continue to create people. And focus on putting out the best content you can. And like continue to perfect yourself. I think that's the most important part Holy of social shit. <laughs> Dang. It's live out death. here. Yeah. I moved it earlier. That's probably why. Uh, Mine needs to go back. I'm scared now. Damn. I'm yeah. scared. 
We'll edit out this part of the video. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That it needs to be like angled yeah, a lot. Angle there you go. Is that gonna stay? I don't know, there? man. The wind. There, that's there. probably good. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. We'll yeah, it'll be back. okay now. <laughs> I that. almost died. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. That was close. I didn't catch on that. Man. Yeah, for real. Um, I promise that was not Shag part it. of the game. So that yeah, wasn't part of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might die on our show. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dying, it's, it's time for me to talk about my life. No. <laughs> um, Go for it. Let's do it. Well, I mean, my story's a lot different than Jason's. It's uniquely mine, but I think that there's probably some people out there that can identify with a lot of it. And um, it's important for me to be honest with my background and speak my truth because I have a really colorful background. And I want to show people that like you can you can have hardships and you can go through some personal some personal struggles. You can experience that dark night of the soul and you can come out and transmute that into something more beautiful. Um, six years ago, I was a completely different person than who's sitting in front of you right now. I was an opiate addict um, on the verge of losing everything, and uh, you know I had I had about 10 years of active addiction. Um, there were a lot of reasons that put me into drug addiction. One of the, one of the, one of the things was like a feeling inside that I, that I didn't fit in or that I was that, you know, I was different from other people. And I think that a lot of artists feel that way. That's why a lot of sensitive artistic people turn to drugs is because we don't fit in with society. We don't feel like we're accepted. We're different. And, um, so you kind of start to placate with drug use. Um, it also kind of, you know, you start doing drugs and drinking and partying because you just want to fit in. Um, there's also people who have an addictive gene that runs in their family and once you turn that switch on, you can't really turn it off unless you stop. And that was me to a T. Um, but, you know, I luckily I, I kind of realized that if I didn't stop, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to do anything else with my life except be an addict. So I made a choice for myself to go into rehab and I got clean. Um, and when I was in rehab, they, they told us that, you know, you had a 20% chance of success that you would wow. never use again, which is really dismal. Um, but I told myself that, that I wanted to be part of that 20%. And, um, like I said, I've been six years clean and sober and, I haven't used and uh, I don't have any desire to, um, mainly because my life is so amazing now. Um, you don't realize when you're actively using how many problems are sourced from that, from that use. But once you, once you get rid of all of it, all these like really amazing, beautiful things start kind of aligning and happening for you that would not happen if you were using. So, um, you know, I guess that kind of, the thing with music festival culture is that drug use is such a big part of it. Um, a lot of it is people experimenting with psychedelics and, you know, which I did a lot of. I, I am grateful for my psychedelic experiences because they've given me psychological breakthroughs that I wouldn't have experienced without. You know, a lot of my personality I attribute to to using psychedelics and like um, 
having psychedelic experiences that that opened my mind and also that helped me realize that my own beliefs were something that was um that were like universal truths basically um so I started going to music festivals when I was really young. I remember volunteering for my first music festival. I was 10 years old and I was rolling sushi for Sushi Sisters at Reggae on the River with my elementary school. Wow. So my my like music festival history is very long and um, I've always done a job at music festivals. I've always done volunteer work, um, you know, Basically, if you want a job in the music festival industry, if you want a paid job, be ready to intern for years. Be ready to put in work and meet crews and make connections um, and be solid and show up. And I'm going to say, like, I didn't start I didn't start actually getting the jobs that I that I could do until I was ready to do them. So until I like stopped doing drugs and I started being focused and clear that's when I started, you know, getting in with these crews that saw I was a hard worker, that I was responsible, that I could do these things. And, um, yeah, I attribute all, all my success to, um, being clean and sober. Um, so like I said, I've done, you know, every, every job at a music festival, everything from recycling crew to box office, to promotion, uh, hospitality, um, site, site crew and I think that that diverse knowledge has really set me up to be um, kind of empathetic to the different crews that work together at music festivals it's it's really important to be able to understand how these different crews work together so that you can help interface with that Um, and and that that has helped me rise to management positions um, is being able to to have you know, that, that fluidity within the crews. Um, and you know, the bass music culture, like electronic music has, it's been this like deep undying love for me since the first time I heard it. I remember the first time I heard electronic music was at an after hours party at a reggae music festival. And they have this like after hours dome and I'd never heard just straight electronic music. And this was like, um, this was like probably like Rusco and Scream and it was, you know, it was like the nineties. Uh, and I heard it and I was just like, it, it clicked. I was like, Oh my God, like this is the kind of music that, that feels right to me. So from there I start, you know, you start chasing the sound and this was before there was like fully electronic centric music festivals. Um, so I, I did lots of different types of music festivals and then I finally went to my first symbiosis and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's all electronic music. Yeah. And um, I finally felt I finally felt like I was around my people. I felt like I w- could be myself. I could be I could dress how I wanted. I could be open and loving. I could I could be myself. Um, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about about our music festival culture is it, in its in its purest form, it can be a beautiful, safe place for self-expression, mm-hmm. and um, it's really important for us. Um, I mean, I'm not going to call myself an elder, but but I but I've definitely um, an OG more more than a lot of people in the festivals that because I've been going for years and years. I think it's important for us to set a good example and to lead by 
lead by example and to call people out on their shit. If someone's yeah, yeah, like yeah. doing, if someone is doing something they shouldn't at a music festival, if someone feels unsafe, if there is a situation that, you know, if you see something, say something, and also like be ready to help people and, you know. Take care of your friends. Take care of your yeah. friends, like know where the medic is, yeah, do not really. leave your friends alone. Like Don't leave your friends alone. Yeah, <laughs> like the there's just these, these very basic <laughs> fundamentals that maybe some people don't don't realize but yeah we gotta yeah. watch out for each other because there's definitely some people that come into our community and see it as a way of preying on people because we're yeah, such really, a loving and open yeah. community yeah. um and, and you know since we're talking about drugs and music festival community it's only getting worse and worse and there's more and more fentanyl synthetic drugs fentanyl laced weird drugs chinese and, research uh, chemicals i really encourage people who are partying at music festivals to get their drugs tested. Yes. You can get test kits from, from dancesafe.org. Yeah. yeah, and DanceSafe yeah. is present at a lot of festivals mm-hmm. too. And it's it's it doesn't hurt you to go to DanceSafe and get your drugs tested. It would, might it's, you save your life. And it's probably honestly it's like the coolest thing you could do if you're going to use drugs. Like yeah. don't you want to be knowing that your stuff is yeah, good? Exactly. Yeah, you find like, out <laughs> you'll find out if your drugs are actually yeah. real. Yeah. Which is That's kind of important. Kind of <laughs> I mean, there's no yeah. we're like I don't have any judgment here like I'm but we're all about safety. And we're all about like people. Well, yeah, and fentanyl is getting worse and worse. Responsibly, yeah, yeah, fentanyl is. Especially uh, on the East Coast, but and they even, have the kids even on the West Coast too. It. There is uh, there is some bad drugs going around West Coast last year too. They were causing like schizophrenic, um, yeah. episodes and all kinds of crazy things. It, some of them resulted in deaths too. So yeah, it's really important that like people know what they're taking know who it's from and even if your drug dealer tells you it's real that doesn't necessarily yeah, mean it's yeah. real yeah. they're just selling it to you so it's important to get tested and there's a, a younger generation that's coming in that that needs us as the, the the older generation to kind of like show them what's up and to to be there to talk to them and give them little tidbits of advice on like how to how to party right yeah, you know yeah. Because there's definitely a right way and a wrong way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Drink, drink <laughs> yeah. water, kids. Eat yes, food. Please drink water and eat food. <laughs> yeah, Stay please, out of the sun. Please drink water. <laughs> eat food before you do your drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There's That's something that, and I feel like when we were younger, like, I didn't, when I, I grew up in rave culture and, like, the warehouse raves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, back then, though, it was, like, so much different. You really didn't have to worry about that. And then as, like, because things years were went on, and then you just start, then, like, little bits of bad shit would come around, then more and more. And now you're just, like, the fact you have to worry about, like, if you're going to die, if you're going to snort this, like, if someone's going to snort something or something, and, like, it might not be that. And then they mm-hmm. have a fucking episode in mm-hmm. front of you. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know. We, think, um, we had an incident at Purple Couch, um, where a girl came to our show. It was our largest event, 1200. It's part of the reason, probably one of the main reasons why we decided to scroll it back and stop throwing events at large. It was because we had a woman show up who was like, basically like her situation just degraded and she was like on the ground and couldn't get up, was basically just melted. And we are like we our security team handle it professionally. We immediately got her. We to immediately the got her to the hospital, and um, she had been roofied before she got to our party from a separate bar. Wow. But if that woman had died at our event, we would have serious issues. And this is the thing: is like you can't trust drinks from strangers, yeah. and you definitely can't trust random pills 
or random powders. You mm -hmm. need to get them tested. And like these things Please. happen in these music culture. It doesn't matter how shanty or amazing mm -hmm. your festival is, the, the drugs can easily be tainted. And that was the case for our whiteout party where someone got roofied before she even got to and, our party. And you know, we it's important for us to be able to talk to this about this openly because things like the Rave Act, which, which kind of put music festivals um, legally responsible for any uh, drug use that occurred on site have made this um, have made this whole drug use culture like very like sh um, it's what? made it so that you can't openly talk about it right. as event producers yeah. but there won't be many drug it, awareness workshops and music festivals it's basically a means of yeah. guilt for the music festival they can't have. actually admit to like any type of drug use because it puts them at admission of guilt yeah we're hoping that you know hopefully lawsuits. with with programs like maps um doing psychedelic research mm -hmm. that hopefully yeah. the laws will change and that the, the the government can kind of see that like there are medicinal uses for things and that they should be declassified mm. oh, totally. so that so that they can be used to treat things like PTSD yeah. and yeah. depression. Psilocybin is supposed to come up for votes in, in Denver. So make sure make sure you vote, vote. Yes, for psilocybin as medicinal because no. it's an amazing thing. And mushrooms are organic and they do amazing things to your brain. And you yeah. don't have to take a lot. It's very mm -hmm. important That's that people understand that yeah. microdosing has amazing benefits compared to macrodosing, which will put you in a socially awkward state of mind in many situations. Yeah. Yes. So, like, Absolutely. try yeah. small amounts of things before you go overboard. Yeah. You can always Absolutely. take more. Can't take less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I kind of want to finish what I was... Um, I'm going to bring it back really quick. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk about how I got into DJing because uh, that's kind of become my passion over the last two years. Um, it was always kind of in the back of my mind that like I wanted to do it, but I, I didn't have a I didn't have a teacher in in my life. And I met Jason and it was like. He, he showed me what he knew and I kind of ran with it. And she already had so much amazing yeah. music and good I, taste in music. Having good taste is seriously half <laughs> yes. of it, you guys. And Curated. and uh, having, like, there there's definitely, like, things that I look for in tracks. I'm very specific about lyrical content and quality of music. And, like, there's definitely a vibe that I like to bring. And that is a vibe of, you know, empowerment, whether it's male or female. But usually, like, I am... I am hoping to empower women in a positive way. And um, I think that a, a lot of times people, I mean, everyone likes different stuff, right? But me personally, I, I, don't, I don't identify with derogatory lyrics. I don't identify with negative um, violent lyrics. So I choose not to share them in my sets. And I think that it creates a more elevated experience for that's people. Awesome. I want people to get some healing through dance because right. that's what I got. And um, I kind of went from being healed by the speakers to hopefully sending the healing out to people. Um, and, uh, and also, like, being, being a girl DJ is uh, it's different, you know? People don't really want to give you the credit that, like, I put a lot of work and a lot of time into what I do. And I, and I strive really hard to, like, create a vibe for people. And... Um, this last year, I've seen a lot more recognition for female artists, which has been really True. refreshing. I think that people are realizing that, like, 
it's not just this, it's not a, it is a male dominated industry, but it doesn't need to be. We need to bring in some of that feminine aspect and kind of balance it out because half those, half the people on the dance floor are women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you want, you want those women dancing. Do you want to be, the women are dancing, wanna, the guys aren't dancing. And do you want to be, <laughs> and do you want to be creating a positive, um, a positive mind state for those yeah. women? Or do you want them to feel like kind of, um, objectified? Yeah. It's uh, the same about the musicians that we book. We, we try to book musicians mm-hmm. that have really intelligently produced music and yeah. vocal content is a huge, huge yeah. part of that. And I, you know, I love I love hip hop and I love dance hall. I'm just really selective about which lyrics I choose to use. Sure. Yeah. Different artists, you know, you could from an entire album. There might be some stuff on there that I could use that I couldn't use that I would choose to whatever. But you know, it's all about like it's all about telling a story and it's all yeah. about creating this. You know, finding your own voice as a as a DJ and then kind of like weaving this tapestry for people and um being able you know being able to put mixes out on soundcloud has been super rewarding for me because if it wasn't for the feedback and the plays that i get online and also the feedback that i get live um i wouldn't have the confidence to like to like speak through the music um and you know just you know, for example, playing a set at Burning Man, this sunrise set, had these girls from Brazil come up to me and like they fully knew who I was. They biked across Playa just to watch me and like just having that experience is like, wow, that's such a beautiful thing with technology that you can literally have um, fans and people that like what you're doing from across the world. And uh, it's just so it's just it just like it just creates friendships. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lindsay's SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash aviatrix music. We'll put links up. Yeah, we'll put links. Yeah. And mine's Jason Dash Burris. But uh, we put lots of mixes out, yeah. lots of really good music. Our, our whole thing is Jason likes to chill it and I like to kill it. <laughs> and <laughs> Jason's like master of like beautiful ambient soundscapes and like very intelligent um, thoughtful, thought-provoking music, and I like um, I like driving beats and uh, fun lyrics and like really danceable stuff. Um, but we like to weave our stuff. You know, we we're 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 really proud of the way that we're able to segue in and out of sets. Yeah, uh, we play back-to-back sets, and it's kind of like a way of like bringing the audience in and out of different soundscapes. Yeah, it's really and, like, fun. Really fluidly. There's not really. You can't really, I mean, you can tell where songs kind of transition, but it's all really clean and yeah. mixed really well. Yeah, my stuff's a little sassier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've really been into, uh, like, HMU is one of my favorite producers right now. He's just, I just love his music. Really love Aztec. Um, of course, Ataya, Goopsteppa, um, Closey. Kind of depends on what type of um depends on what time i'm playing and yeah, yeah. I, I like some more obscure stuff like memba yeah my um, favorite producer is Oak. dillard <laughs> but dillard, he's also dillard's like one of my best friends but <laughs> dillard is the man his music's amazing uh, dirty wolves we just had play he's amazing producer mm-hmm. if you like tipperish style squish music dirty wolves is a little 
darker, more tribally based, but also mm. extremely psychedelic and well produced. And uh, you know, I love I love representing um, female lyricists too. Like uh, Nick and Navy are really dope. Um, Shinsia is a really good dance hall um, dance hall singer, and you know. You can't go wrong when you play some Missy Elliott too. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's such an inspiration, yeah, such an artist. She's so awesome. I wish she would put out some new music. Right, right. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Uh, I guess something to talk about too would be, I mean, obviously you guys as artists separately, but then doing this thing together and being. A, a couple and everything else like I'm sure like that that is not always like an easy situation I'm sure there's been a lot of things you guys have been through like how do you make it work between the two of you like especially since you're both so heavily involved with music and yeah. art and everything together as well in events like like how do you like is there I guess a you know maybe some some times that like we're really trying that you guys you know overcame and it really like helped bring you together and then like are there any things that like you guys you know as a partnership as partners like that you have made it actually really work i mean you guys are both awesomely successful in what you do so there's obviously you know i'm sure there's other people that look at you and like and be like fuck that's amazing (laughs) especially you know it's it's hard enough to be with like to have a partner but to be doing so much together i think is hugely admirable I think it's important that couples work together and work well together so it's you know like whether you working together is you cooking a meal together Mm -hmm. you know or like doing something simple I think it's just important that you do things together that aren't just like meeting for dinner and then talking about each other's lives and then going back to your own lives and uh, so you know I don't know for us it 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 helps that we have all the same interests of course mm-hmm. but also that that you know we're both inspired in the same direction and our end goals are the same so you know I, I don't know I think we have a unique type of love and it may be really difficult to find for other people, but <laughs> I encourage everyone to look for it and to find it. You know, yeah. I think I think that one of the reasons that Jason and I are successful together is because, you know, we're a team, and um, it's not about sacrificing things to be together. It's about creating things together yeah, and, like, figuring out what passions drive you and then, like, figuring out how to, how to incorporate them into your life and then build a life, which... I, which honestly, Jason is like a visionary and he's really good at like helping people facilitate their dreams. And, um, when I met Lindsay, she had like all these dreams written down and now, yeah, I used to. and now like two years later, we've like fulfilled them all. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big believer in like, in like writing things down yeah. and, um, and not even because it's like some metaphysical whatever. It's just, I've seen it hap- I've seen it work. So mm. I can't not believe that it does work. Um, I think that writing things, writing intentions down kind of leaves you accountable. But when I met Jason, I was, I was very into dance and, uh, I was practicing a lot. I was, I was, I was really in it and I, and I, and I wrote, and I wrote, I wrote down that I wanted to perform on stage at music festivals in front of hundreds of people. And, uh, and I, but I wasn't specific about what I would be doing. And then a year later, 
I was actually performing as a DJ uh, in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, if there's one thing, one piece of advice I could give people about, you know, trying new things and, and, and like making your dreams come true is just kind of get specific and write down what you want and then take steps towards getting those things. Um, and, and find a relationship partner that has the same dreams as you. Well, I and, think it'll help a and lot. Be, and be complete in yourself before you try and find something in the other. Like when we met, we were both really stoked on our lives and we weren't actually looking for, for that other thing that other thing um because we were content but but after now that we're together it's like I couldn't even see my life any other way you know um and that's not to say that like we don't have we don't have like real life problems you know this trip we just did this tour we just did was 45 days on the road and you know like not every day is a great day there's definitely like life is life is life and you go through things and it's it's all yeah, about like we may make it look easy, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And there's stress everywhere, like yeah. whether dealing with airport hassles or like you know um, Airbnbs that are failed, or you preparing for a set and your laptop is not working. Yeah, ten minutes before your set, and luckily your boyfriend knows how to borrow someone's <laughs> yeah. computer and rip tracks off the internet real quick yeah. and throw them in the tractor and save the day, mm-hmm. you know, um, which has happened to us before. And yeah. like, and, and well, there's always, yeah, there's always random stuff that happens. Yeah, Performing is, uh, you know, being a uh, multi adaptable and everything and like mm-hmm. being ready for all these different situations. And, you know, um, yeah, we've we've been through a lot of stressful stuff, and I feel like we've handled it all with with pride and and um, <coughs> managed to not freak out on each other and kind of yeah, we do pretty we respect. do pretty good in that yeah. aspect. It's also you know once you've gone through like a lot of gnarly things in your life, like I have, stuff just like rolls off your back. It's like whatever, like nobody died, I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everything's you know it's. It's just kind of being able to like handle problems with grace and being gentle with yourself. If you're like having a hard day, like don't yeah. be too hard on yourself. Absolutely. I'm guilty of it. Um, but I just, you know, just try and like not be too hard on yourself and don't put too much pressure on yourself, man. Just because you see stuff on Instagram, don't try not to compare yourself to their best day because you haven't seen their worst day. Yeah, everyone just puts their best day on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I don't say yeah. anything negative on Instagram. <laughs> no. yeah. some, day, some days I like, I have to be like, Lindsay, I really just want to, like, vent on Facebook. She's like, no, don't do <laughs> no, it. No, no, hold back. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I don't. And that's, not, and that's not because we don't want to be real. It's just that, like, there's a lot of negativity on social media, yeah, and true. people spend so much time there. It's like, if you're going to be on there, why not be a positive influence or say yeah, something that's, that's useful? Um, so whenever I post, it's usually art-related, music-related. Or it's nutrition related because we're really mm-hmm. into food and health. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We just try to put out as much positive content as possible. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, and uh, inspire others to yeah. do creative things with their life and be happy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. That's that's amazing. Um, what is kind of I guess is there like what is the future of your guys' stuff going? Like, what do you see? Mm-hmm building more creating is and is there something that you guys haven't done yet maybe that you're working towards or you don't know is there hmm. well for my jewelry design I got 
inspired to uh, start on a project which will last years, and the plan is to start building a, a pyramid from the top down. Wow. So mm-hmm. I continue to build levels of, like, gyms and, and jewelry. And I got inspired to do that by seeing Dal- uh, Salvador Dali's, like, life's work on display at the museum in uh, Tampa, Florida. And I think it's in St. Petersburg, but, yeah, in Florida. St. Petersburg, There's, yeah. It's and one of two Dali museums in the wow. world. Oh, An wow. incredible collection of art. And his just, his just work's so amazing, and I was just thinking of, like, doing something much larger than just a functional piece of jewelry, you know, which I've, I've done some larger stuff. I did a wall installation with my friend Noah. and Yeah, which is really dope. And I, I've done a couple of sculptural pieces, but um, I want to do something really large that's an ongoing project that I can post, like, photos of that will continue to expand and grow. So I'm going to start on, uh, I'm calling it, like, the temple project, I believe, and start building, like, a temple style pyramid from the top down and uh, just continue to build and add levels to it and make it bigger and bigger every year it's the plan <laughs> that's, um, that's super awesome as far as my art goes uh, what well uh, what my art is is um, I I grow crystals on skulls after I've done like different marbling techniques on the bone um, and it's kind of this this poppy sciencey different art form um, that's like semi-sculptural, semi-natural, semi-scientific. Um, so I'm definitely going to be continuing doing that. I just got some some a full um, snake skeleton that I'm going to be wow, crystallizing wow. Cool. and a uh, full squirrel skeleton. So wintertime is like our time to retreat, work on the new art projects, yeah, kind cool. of continue um, honing Jason's Jason's craft is pretty well honed, but I need to keep <laughs> continuing to hone my craft and um, doing. I, I'd like to do a full a show with my art, which I haven't been able to do yet because um, I can't hold on to the pieces long enough because they sell really quickly. Oh, yeah. uh, so if I could get a collection together that's large enough to do a show, an open show, maybe a collaboration with Jason, I'd be yeah, happy with that. Yeah. Um, but then as far as like purple couch goes, you know we're. We, we Like we were talking about before, we'd love to work towards a sustainable music festival. Um, I've, o- I've always seen myself owning a piece of property that I'm able to, to house artists and collectively create like an artist com- yeah. compound together um, while growing food to feed each yeah. other. And also, because I grew up off the grid in rural Northern California, um, eating organic vegetables out of the garden, eating venison that my dad got and salmon from the ocean. So I have this very strong sense of nature and wanting to like um, steward a piece of land. And it's something that Jason and I have always talked about wanting to do together. So eventually I I know that's where that's where I'd like to end up is like stewarding a piece of land and living sustainably. Um, Maybe with some chickens. (laughs) chickens goats (laughs) yeah Yeah, what we really want is to have a mini animal farm yes Uh, only (laughs) small animals miniature horses pygmy pygmy pigs so if you know any small animal dealers get at me (laughs) 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 actually no (laughs) um 
I guess kind of bouncing around a little bit because we did touch on this as you guys are telling your stories, but were there any defining moments for either of you, either together or separately, especially within your art that was like, maybe like a like a moment that showed you that this is something that you yeah, could do this for is my thing. ever, this that is, this is obviously yeah. not just a, a dream or a hobby or whatever. Like, is there any points that like you got through or something that you're like, okay, like this is this is something that maybe you remember that was a pivotal time in your life that maybe showed you that? You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I was doing lots of shows and stuff back in the day, but one year I worked really hard and built up a ton of inventory and jewelry this is like 12 years ago and went to Bonnaroo and set up and vended for like 24 hours a day for like four straight days and made more money than I've ever had at one point in time in my life and uh, you know it's really rewarding getting your art to so many people but it's also really rewarding like finding homes for the art because you're 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 just like more encouraged to go home and create yeah, more absolutely yeah. Yeah. and uh you know, a lot of times with jewelry, it's like the person who buys it is like so perfect for that piece of mm-hmm. art that like they're like you made this piece and you really like it, and then you find this person that it fits or like embodies, and yeah. it all makes sense. So you know, the, those cool. festival experiences where I was like selling my art to people like twelve years ago really kind of. If it weren't for music festival culture, I wouldn't be where I am because I wouldn't have had the start or the following to create, like, a social media. Like, yeah, now I can just sit back and, like, sell my art on Instagram to people, which is great. And I'm stoked that, like, I have that as well. And then it's slightly easier this year than all the traveling and touring. But if it wasn't for music festivals, I wouldn't have had the following... It wouldn't have snowballed into social media, and you know, I just wouldn't be where I am today. So mm-hmm. it's really like you know, going out and meeting people and selling your art to them is really important, mm-hmm. I think, for artists. Period, not just like selling your art privately to a dealer and them representing you, you representing yourself, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. So, well, know. and because art is so deeply personal and like each artist is, is so, um, is the art is a representation of that artist yeah. as a person, you know, meeting so many artists in, in the line of work that I'm in, it's like, it, it just, you see a piece of art and then you meet the artist and it just makes so much oh, sense. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh wow, this yeah. is you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and like my aha moment with my art is really similar to Jason's. It was just bringing my crystal skull pieces um, and displaying them through Branches Mobile Gallery and selling all the pieces that I brought um, and people being like really blown away by it. And then people ordering custom pieces and like, yeah. you know, being able to create something with their animal and their colors and um, just like realizing that my art was making other people happy and that I could make money doing it. Um, that was definitely a moment for me. And then with the music, um, you know, I, I get like, I get like really intense butterflies before I play and I get really bad anxiety, but it all goes away. Like once I'm finally playing, it's like, it's like everything else falls away. And then it's just you playing music for these people that are dancing and everyone's Mm -hmm. like kind of in this moment. That's just really pure and beautiful. Um, and just realizing that like, 
and it's also such a meditation because you cannot be distracted by anything. You have to be fully present in that moment because you want to create a flawless experience for people. Mm. And um, being able to like do something that is that meditative is like really important for me, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, are you guys working on any like um, like productions or anything for your music together? Like any like we just actually recorded at the Black Box. We recorded our second back to back set or mm-hmm. third back to back set yeah. that we're releasing. Um, the other It'll two come out in a couple weeks. The other two were released to the Purple Couch SoundCloud, and uh, the our Celasta one is up there now at the top of the Purple nice. Couch SoundCloud, and our new one will be releasing soon. And it's kind of funny because I recorded a lot of mixes this summer, including, like, we played Northern Nights, and I played the River Stage there. I have an awesome, like, Afrobeat-infused house mix that for daytime vibes that I recorded there that I haven't posted yet. But a lot of the stuff that we recorded over the summer, we just haven't had a break or a time to post it. And so when we get home this winter, we'll be posting more music and releasing more mixes and hopefully you know i I would love to produce music um it's always it definitely feels like the next step um it's just uh finding getting the time so this winter hopefully we can kind of focus on that a little bit i'm hoping to open that door yeah Lindsay wants to start with ableton so Mm -hmm. we'll see where that takes us to um i play electronic percussion electronic percussion i'm trying to record more percussion samples and sending my friends to use in, in music too so hopefully I'll follow through with that soon too yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah you can do sample packs and stuff too yeah that's usually definitely yeah. a solid direction to go especially being a percussionist you can you know offer different things that people might not know how to program yeah that's always a big yeah, exactly. big thing it's something with a more organic feel that too. too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like it's, played by humans. It's so fascinating when people like um, like Goopstepa, for example, take field recordings of their life and then use that as yeah. the basis for their music. Yeah. And it's so personal. That's like my favorite kind of, and I think that people identify with that kind of music subconsciously yeah. without even realizing it. It's because there's this like familiarity to it. And it's because it's it's real. It's like it's like honest. It's parts of their life that's woven into it. It's mm-hmm. not just something that you created on your computer, like a machine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is like the leaves crunching when you walk and the waves, and then you yeah. like sent it out and I don't create some crazy beats out of it. Yeah, my so friend. that's just like that would be an aspiration for me. It'd be yeah, like awesome. taking parts of my life and then creating yeah, music from it. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you guys got on a lot of trips too, so it's like. Yeah, really, like, finding sound bites. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, that would be really cool. I'm excited to hear all the new stuff you guys are working on for that, too. We'll be dropping some more mixes soon. Once we're home, we'll drop a few. Yeah, I'm sitting on some mixes as well. I'm sitting on a dance hall mix. Um, I love dance hall. I do love dance (laughs) hall. Yeah, (laughs) well, there's dance hall. There's uh, some Afro beat, um, some, like, tropical house vibes. A little, it's like a... um, Kumbaya, Kumbia, Kumbia vibes. Yeah, Very cool. summery. Yeah, so I'd like cool. to put it out before yeah, summer's cool, yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I'm excited to hear this stuff. Yeah. My, my, my musical, my musical history has a lot of reggae and dance hall because um, 
I grew up going to reggae on the river and listening to lots of reggae yeah. music, and so I have like a really deep love for that cool. for that type of music. Yeah. yeah. Mine has a lot of psychedelic bass music because I like psychedelic bass. Yeah. Music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, I think kind of kind of finalize it out with if is there any like like philosophies or like a some like a piece of something that you've tried to instill in people or something that you want to leave everyone with um just as kind of like an ending note could be like a, a mm. life philosophy or something that used to inspire people or something that maybe you even you know do now on a regular basis with people that you try and help with their art or whatever that you, you know I, I think uh, many people always um kind of approach me with like questions on I, I, you know I, here's the thing a lot of people approach me and they they may think that I somehow got my following overnight or I didn't have to work for it and I think it's very different I've worked 15 years to have the kind of following and support base that I have so that I can create a piece of art and sell it and even with that following, it's not always easy. It's not always just, you know, you make art and you get money. A lot of these times, it's it's way more difficult than that. It requires much more work. And so, you know, I think it's really important that people understand that it's, it's not easy and you have to work really hard, just like in any industry. Being an artist is even harder because no one's there to force you to work but yourself. And if you're not motivated and you're not driven, you know, then you're just not going to make it. And there's so many other artists that are going to be creating content, creating art, creating music, and who are more motivated than you are. So you just have to continue to push yourself to do the best work you can, and you'll inevitably be rewarded for it. And I think it's just really important that people, like, either don't give up or kind of just believe in themselves you know um my whole life i felt like i gambled on myself i just believed in myself enough that like you know i buy expensive gemstones i'm like i don't care i'm gonna make jewelry out of this doesn't matter you know like it doesn't matter the money will come and yeah. I'll, I'll get rewarded for this somehow so it's it's all gambling whether you're buying painting supplies or jewelry supplies or Ableton or any of these things, we're all just like kind of gambling our careers and it's really important that you believe and you put everything you can into it and just continue to drive yourself mm -hmm. and create content. What I said about social media is, is gonna be even more important next year than it is this year. Every yeah, year, yeah. Social, social media becomes more and more kind of like the way that humans communicate with each other and so it's really important to use it with your art and you're not like looking at social media as some way of selling out but more looking at it as a tool so that you can create your art and show it to other people and meet other people like yourself even though you're just meeting on the internet I meet amazing people in real life all the time that know me through social media, so it's it's really cool to be connected, whether just through a social media fan base or, you know, eventually you meet these people in real life and find out that everyone's kind of human, we're all amazing. I think people are often, like, 
really blown away by the fact that we're just normal people. <laughs> yeah. And when they yeah. meet us, and we get that a lot, and it's pretty interesting, and that we can have a normal conversation yeah. with them. And, yeah. You know, we're not just elitist or weird. You know, I don't know <laughs> what people think about social figures in any any form. But um, some of my favorite, uh, you know, one time I met uh, Eskimo, and he was like my favorite musician at the time. He's he still is an amazing musician. He mainly does film score for movies these days. But uh, but I met Eskimo in the forest outside Electric Forest, and the guy was playing in like ten minutes, and he just like stood there and had like the most humble and awesome conversation with me That's without awesome. ever acting like he was in a rush or had to go anywhere or anything, and just like talked to me like a normal human being. And you know, meeting people like that who are like my peers and realizing how like humble and amazing a human they are really helped me kind of be just a better human in general and yeah. like know how to relate to people when they meet me in person too that's awesome Lindsay what's your piece of philosophical philosophical um, advice <laughs> well you know I, I guess the one thing that that helps me is it's not just these things that you're producing. It's not, it's not this one thing that defines you as a person. It is understanding that your life is a work of art and you are building yourself into a masterpiece every day. So, you know, what do you want to create for yourself? Do you want to create a life of health and happiness and positivity for other people because you you don't even know you could be the reason that someone else has a good day if you choose that um and you know just not being afraid to be yourself um it might be cheesy but there is that saying and be yourself because everyone else is already taken you know so whatever it is that you're passionate about whether it's art or cooking or um you know taking care of other people or um recycling or or making clothes or whatever it is that you're passionate about just um just focus on the things that make you happy and and create a beautiful life for yourself yeah yeah i think that's a good end note yeah yeah it really is thanks well, thank you guys so much for being with us yes, here thank you thank um, you for having us yes, this was really nice yeah no yes. thank you guys it's really cool thanks for hear. letting us uh <laughs> talk talk about our lives so no, much. Yeah, that's, that's what nice. we want to hear. That's <laughs> what we want to hear. I mean, it's, it's cool to hear that from different artists. I mean, so many different artists that we've communicated with, like, here and their perspective on things and stuff is, uh, is so fruitful for us just because it helps our own artwork but also, like, helps other artists as well. So Yeah, yeah. we really like the idea behind this podcast. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we'll put it in the show notes too, but are there uh, any specific places, like, the, to find you guys, like, the easiest way? Um, like to connect with you and yeah. visit it a few times, but honestly, for events, the best way to stay in touch is to go on the Purple Couch Facebook and just that's Purple Couch Events, yeah, on and, Facebook and, and Purple Couch Events on Instagram, yeah, and then go into the events and you'll see our calendar of upcoming events and hit subscribe because then you'll get notifications of when we're throwing yeah. events near you. And, uh, and there's links to our YouTube channel and our SoundClouds there as yeah. well. Yeah, add the page to your interests, and it'll help you see our posts more. And it'll help us to um, 
it'll help us spread spread our promotions and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, shows. Yeah. yeah. The hardest part about shows is make sure everyone knows about them. So yeah, we do, a pretty, right. we do a pretty good job on social media, but it's a lot of work. And it's, yeah, know, so we appreciate engagement yeah. online because Absolutely. Facebook definitely likes to limit uh, oh professional pages, which yeah. is... Which is sad, yeah, but you know, we, totally if we agree. can, you know, like support support your other artists' friends' pages too. If somebody's doing something, and it's and you see it online, like mm-hmm. drop a comment, give it a like because that helps it be yeah. more visible. Yeah, yeah when you scroll by, you're basically just like negatively, you're downvoting mm-hmm. your friends. Yeah. So it's really important and, that you engage. Yeah. And like you support mm-hmm. your friends yeah. on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. In real life and in the digital. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In real life, maybe even more. <laughs> yes. In real life, that is the most important <laughs> yes, place to show up. Yeah. Yes, um, <laughs> come to your friends' art shows. Um, music yeah. shows. Yeah. And actually yeah. say hi yeah. in person. Yeah, yeah, um, my, my Instagram is um, at under slash AV8TRIX under slash that's aviatrix uh and then my soundcloud is at soundcloud slash aviatrix music yeah and uh mine's at jason burris b-u-r-r-u-s-s and then i have a i have a couple i have a soundcloud that's jason slash burris and we started um or jason dash burris and we started uh purple couch soundcloud that we release Mm -hmm. a lot of guest mixes and stuff and we really want people because we don't have any YouTube followers yet, but mm-hmm. we really want people to tap into the Purple Couch YouTube page. We put page out dance videos. Because we're going to put um, out amazing nice. content this year. We put, and, out, uh, we put out videos of our, of our travels, of our festival work. That's um, awesome. Jason's uh, really great at making these great little vlogs for us. And, uh, yeah. yeah. He's got this artistic drive that just he's always wanting to produce things. <laughs> cool. So we'll take videos and then he'll compile them. And yeah, it's really Adobe special. Premiere and Adobe Photoshop are like my happy place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my mind just likes, awesome. likes working on yeah. these programs. Yeah. So, so I'm into video editing these days and I'll be producing a lot of yeah. really amazing content. Uh, Jason also has a WordPress site where he talks about um, different uh, psychedelics and cannabis cannabis and like everything from like CBD to uh, psychedelic therapy um, I've got an article on there about uh, antioxidants um, yeah the point is to have alternative health yeah. information and it's all based upon actual science and lab studies yeah. from around awesome. the world so like everything's really well documented and that's wordpress.com that's, that's Jason oh. Burris articles dot wordpress dot okay. com sweet sweet Awesome, awesome guys. Well, thank you so much. I think, so that's, much. I think much. that's all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's we great. have a lot of links. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's good though. Get them all in there. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I like go over those with you guys. Yeah, too. absolutely. Cool. Sweet, sweet. Well, thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you.